Joe is a funny one. You know? Joe is a good one. I've known him since college. I've known him for a long time. And something that I love to see is that he's himself. He is himself. He's not who he thinks others want him to be or what he should be. People who live out of their hearts. When I see people who live out of their hearts, that brings freedom to me. Right? It says, I'm safe. I can live out of my heart. And it's okay. And it's good. You know? Um, we're starting into a new series. And I, I've felt this. I've gotten th this word over and over again, John 13 through 17, which is called the Farewell Discourse. And some of us might be pretty familiar with that. When you think of the Gospels and you think of the most intimate, vulnerable time of Jesus and Jesus opening a door to eternity, opening a door to the nature of who God is, we see it in John 13 through 17. We see the Son, we see the Father, right? And we're going to do a, a reading of Scripture. We're going to go through John 13, 1 through 6. So let's just stand up and read this together, if you would do this with me. It's New King James. I hope you can make it through New King James, okay? Let's do our best. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? I'm going to pray now. Father, you're vulnerable, you're merciful, you're giving, you're sacrificial, you're caring, you're tender, you're committed. Your mercies are new every morning. You're drawn to us by passion, by compassion, by a father's heart, by a father's heart. And Jesus came to reveal the father's heart. And he did an awesome job. And you're still doing it today. We thank you for that. We pray, Lord, for your father's heart to be revealed today in a very special way, in a way that brings healing and transformation. And we pray for the Father's heart, your nature, to be experienced, Father, in a, in a mighty way in this season. And we just command anything that would hinder us, any, any work of the enemy, any distraction, any deception, 
any fear, any condemnation, anything false that is not from God. We take authority of that in Jesus and we command it to leave this house. I bind it and command it to go in Jesus' name. We stand in the authority of Jesus and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I've called this message, Getting to Know the Father. You're welcome to, to be seated. Getting to Know the Father. And if we were to really think about it and reflect on it, some of us might say in our own lives, we don't or never truly know our dads, right? We might have been around them. We might have seen them work. We might have seen them eat. We might have uh, you know, related to them in different ways. But do we truly know their heart? Do we truly know our Father's heart? Okay? And some of us here, if we really thought about it, say, no, I really, I really never knew him. His heart was too locked. It was too bound. And I never had that contact with him. Did the Pharisees, who were, they started off as the good guys. Did the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders and the representatives of the nature of God in the old, the latter part, right? The transition from Old New Testament under the old covenant system. The Pharisees, who were the priests and who taught people who God was. Did they know the heart of Father God? They didn't. No, who did they think that God was? What was God like to them? Judgmental. Judgmental. What was that? Rules. Rules. What? Legalistic. Angry. Did, when, when you see the Pharisees operation in operation in the, in the New Testament, do you see grace anywhere? Anywhere? Or do you just see law? Do you just see rules? Do you see intimacy anywhere? Intimacy anywhere? In all reality, they were all about preserving their place. And Jesus knew their hearts. And he said, blind leaders of the blind. Right? These, these people are supposed to represent the heart of God. He says, you are whitewashed tombs. You do all these external works, but there's no mercy. There's no grace. They thought they knew God, but all they knew was rules, legalism, striving. I have to earn. I have to keep my place. Right? And I never can get there. I never can get there. And Jesus makes reference to the to the tax collector and the Pharisee, right? And they're praying to God. And the, the, the tax collector says, mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. God, I'm a sinner, right? And there's such a, a brokenness. And there's such a vulnerability and such an honesty with his own heart. He comes to God in his brokenness. And the Pharisee, oh, I thank you, God, I'm not like this tax collector, right? I'm so great. My rules. I'm doing the rules. I'm doing it. And, and I'm, I'm just the best person. And I'm just baptized in pride. And I'm baptized in self-righteousness. Right? Right? Deceived Pharisees. 
How would you describe Jesus, his nature? Just throw out some words. Gracious, kind, merciful, playful, loving, understanding, surprising, patient, fair, forgiving, mindful of people around him, compassionate. Okay, now let me ask you this question. How would you describe the Father? God the Father. What's that? Diverse, compassionate, loving children, gentle, leader, just. Okay. For some of us, we might see Jesus in a very different way than we see the Father. My grandmother. She's passed away now. She was a Christian. She loved Jesus. She felt so safe around Jesus. But when it came to the Father, oh, she was mad at the Father. She was mad at the Father. She, she looked at the Father as somebody who wasn't fair, who didn't care, who was harsh, who was against her. Okay? Very different. And I think it, it's just interesting, like when I asked about Jesus, it just seemed that more people were open and their hearts were more open. But then when I asked the Father, it almost seemed like there was a little shift in the atmosphere. It seemed like some people said things that were overlap, but then it just seemed like more people are kind of like, hmm, I don't know about that. Okay? And I think there's something to that. My grandmother was not wanted by her dad. My, my grandmother was abused. Do you think that affected the way she perceived the Father? Yes. And the reality is our Father experience, for good or for worse, really does affect the way we perceive who God is and how we relate to him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one, a great theological mystery. And oftentimes we focus on the distinction between the Father and the Son. But in John 13 through 17, Jesus is really focusing on the oneness. And in the Bible, he, he says, I, I and the Father are one. This is John 10.30. This is John 10.30. Jesus came into this world not just to respond to the crisis of sin and hell and reconciliation. He came to respond to the crisis of these people have no clue who God really is. They have such a distorted view of the nature of Father God and they're afraid of him. They think they have to do all this stuff and, and dot the I's and cross the T's. They don't know grace. So God sent the Son to reconcile the world to himself. But Jesus came into this world to give us a true picture of Father God who in his mind and in his heart envisioned all of this, all of creation. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Okay, that's John. Let's go back to Genesis. Right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? But let's go further back now. Before any creation, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Together, the three in one for eternity. 
And let's just think about what that was like. Emotionally, what that was like. Tell me, just throw some th thoughts out. What was the emotional experience, say, for, for Jesus the Son, before he came in flesh, before all of creation, what was his relational emotional experience like from all eternity? Perfect unity, pure, pure love. Exhilarating. Safe. I like these words. Okay? God defines himself as love, right? God is a God of relationship before he's a God of rules. And I, I think it's fair to say that the reason why the rules even exist, and I'm, I'm saying God is a holy God, but they are to preserve relationship with God and with each other. Because the Bible says we walk in the light as he is in the light. In other words, if we walk in truth and obedience and vulnerability and have our heart open, we have fellowship with one another, right? If we go on to sin, we're starting to sever fellowship, right? That's what happened when, when Adam and Eve did what they did. Fellowship was severed. Do you think it grieves God to have fellowship severed with us? Do you think God maybe was weeping and however a spirit being weeps? When, when Adam and Eve took from the tree? I don't think, you know, some people might disagree. That's fine. This is just how I read the scripture. I don't think God sent, you'll set Adam and Eve up for failure. I don't think a loving father would do that. I believe God knew it would happen. God gives us tests. That's reality. Um, but when he gives us tests, I believe his hope is for us to overcome and to make the right choice. Okay, and when you really think about that, I think it's a big deal because it has a lot to do with the nature of who God really is. So Jesus is 100% emotionally satisfied. He's 100% he's in ecstatic joy, endless, continuous intimacy. My heart is satisfied. I belong. I fit in. I'm safe. Not only my, my needs are met, but my wants are met. Father God is continuously, endlessly loving the Son. Perfect love, perfect vulnerability, perfect intimacy, perfect safety. So Jesus has this beautiful experience from all eternity with Father, and then they decide, okay, these guys blew it. But, but we love them so much. We love them so much. So much. That the Son is going to take on flesh. The invulnerable God is going to become vulnerable. And he's going to die because of the wickedness of his own creation. Would you die for somebody that betrayed you or hurt you? Some of us might. Some of us might. But let us think, this is holy God, this is eternal God who we have slapped in the face. Not, not only slapped in the face, we've done a lot more than that. A lot more than that. We're deserving of uh, eternal punishment because we choose, you know, before we come to salvation and we struggle with it even after salvation, we, we choose darkness. We dishonor God. 
but God doesn't want to come to us as a judge. He wants to come to us as a merciful father. Right? And you look at the story of the prodigal son. He does everything wrong, doesn't he? Everything wrong. But you see a father who's so connected to his own heart. A father that is ruled not by how much money do I have, how much money did my son rob from me, how much did he disgrace me or hurt me, how much did he break my heart. No. His value system is based on love. It's based on relationship. It's not based on performance. It's not based on following the rules. It's based on grace that is driven by love. So the son has a heart change and he comes back. And what does the father do? Right? He just he opens his arms up. He doesn't bring up the past. He doesn't bring up the failures. He restores him. He puts on, he, he gives this guy the cloak, right? He gives this guy the ring. You are my son. You are my son, regardless of how you failed, regardless of how you've treated me, regardless of what has been lost. You are my son. And that's all that matters is that you're back, and we're going to have a celebration. Jesus said this parable in response to the Pharisees, in response to their false view of God. Jesus said this to show them the heart of Father, the heart of Father God. And I don't think they could receive it because if they would have received it, they'd have been converted. I know some of them did. But that vision, that version of who God is, I think was incredibly offensive to them and incredibly unsafe because it's so immersed in grace. It's so immersed in grace. It's so immersed in mercy and intimacy, and love, things they did not comprehend, okay? This is, this is who Father really is. I'm just going to hit on this point, too. For some of us, it's really hard to trust. For some of us, it's really hard to be vulnerable. For some of us, God is not safe. For some of us, nobody is safe. For some of us, deep down inside, if we throw the media aside, we throw the work aside, our hearts are lonely. We're dissatisfied. We're confused. We, we don't feel like we belong. We don't feel connected. Some of us are that way. And you take some of the religious striving that some of us are stuck in, you take all this stuff, all this false security, and you throw it down, and you become vulnerable, like, God, I'm scared. And I really want to know you. I really want to know you, and I've been trying so hard to, to please you with my prayer life. I've been trying so hard to please you with my devotional life. But deep down inside, it's like I'm trying to earn something because I don't truly feel belonging. I don't truly feel like I fit in, like I have a place in the Father's house. So Jesus left the Father's house. He left the Father's house, and we're going to jump into that. Now, when Jesus is at this place, they're going to have the Last Supper, he's going to show the full extent of his love for his disciples. I mean, this is a big deal for Jesus. I've been waiting for this moment. 
I've been waiting for this moment to show you a deeper revelation of the nature and heart of God. You saw the power. You saw the power, right? And some of us are so stuck in the power, and the power is a good thing. But, but now I'm going to show you something better. I'm going to show you something deeper. I'm going to show you the purpose behind the power, right? So he shows them the heart of God in such an incredibly deep, vulnerable, tender way. Judas is going to betray him. Peter's going to deny him. They're all going to walk away when it gets really hard, and he knows it. He knows it. Remember, he's fully God. He's fully man now. And I want to emphasize a little bit on his sonship right now. Here, we're going to take our, our Bibles, if that's all right. I'm sure it is. John 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, he's going to leave this world. He knew his hour had come. He knew when he was going to die. He knew it. For some of us, that'd be disturbing, right? If, if we, some of us knew we were going to die a week from now or, or six months from now, that'd probably bring a lot of fear. It didn't for Jesus. You think, I'm going to die in 24 hours, but I'm at such a place emotionally that I can deny myself, deny my own needs right now, and just be fully focused and fully giving and fully sacrificial towards my disciples. That's incredible. When you think about that, he's at an incredible place emotionally, incomprehensible. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, to the Father, the prepositional phrase, to the Father, Okay, why does he have this strength? Why does he have this unshakable strength and this un unbending, sacrificial uh, quality about him? And I believe the answer is, thou art my son, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. His identity was so rooted and grounded in the Father's love, so established in the Father's love, not only from his human experience, Father's always there for him. Father's always releasing love to him. Father's always there to connect with his heart. But it goes from all eternity. He can so fully trust the Father. He can so fully receive from the Father that he can do amazing, sacrificial, other-centered things. Okay? He's going back to that place of belonging. Not some sort of a general, ethereal thought, abstract thought of heaven. Oh, it's cool. There's angels up there playing harps and people are dancing or whatever. No, it's like he's going back to a place of such incomprehensible love. A love that surpasses knowledge. A love that is incomprehensible. Right? Jesus has had the full experience of this incomprehensible, unfathomable love and joy. That's the thing, right? That home, that place of belonging is what gives him the strength to go through this incomprehensible, horrible, painful situation. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, taking a, a, took a towel and girded himself. All things have been given into Jesus' hands. What does that mean? All authority. All authority, all power over all creation, over all of heaven and earth. If Jesus could have snapped his finger, the entire world would be on their knees. Right? If Jesus would have winked up to heaven, legions of angels could have come and slaughtered his enemies. He had the power and the authority to say no. He had the power and authority to control people, to demand from them, to manipulate them, right? There's so many people who have authority over us in the world do. They do it. And they harm us and they destroy us. If our parents did stuff like that, that really affects how we relate to God, right? So Jesus had all power and authority to force people to bow down to him and, and recognize him as the son of God. And the Pharisees tested him and tempted him, show us you're the son of God. Do some great sign for us. He could have. And he might have even won their allegiance, but he chose not to. Because that's not the heart of Father God. That's not how God operates. He is not controlling. He is not controlling. He is not manipulative. He respects your choice. He respects your will. He does not force us to do anything. Right? but he's safe and he respects us. All power, all authority, deserving of all worship, honor, and praise. Everything was created through him. Without him was nothing made that has been made. And here he is in the world, in a very broken, unsafe world, teaching these people that he loves, opening his heart to the people that he loves. And he's serving them. He's serving them. He puts the towel around his waist. He's preparing to be, to be the lowly servant. In that culture, it is the servants that do this thing, that do the foot washing. And it's interesting to note that none of the disciples said, hey, I'm going to do this. The streets in those days, of course, they didn't have cars and bikes. They had donkeys and horses. And donkeys and horses go poo on the streets, and they go pee-pee, okay? And that's how smelly, and they're walking in this stuff. And that's why they did this foot washing. It wasn't just some, like, religious ceremony. This is practical. This is, like, disgusting, and it's smelly, okay? Jesus, pure, holy God, smells their feet. He smells their feet. He touches the dirtiness. He washes that. It's not offensive to him, right? Almighty, all-holy God... Who's, who, who is going to have, there's going to be this last judgment, right? We see the lion and the lamb, right? The both, both sides of Jesus Christ. He is literally being offended by his smell. I mean, just his senses are being offended, but his heart is not. And he's choosing to do this. He's choosing to get dirty and to put himself in a place um, in order to serve and to love his disciples. Farewell, Sir Paul. <laughs> I've made mistakes in my life as a Christian, things that I'm not proud of. Maybe not just things, but attitudes, right? I mean, 
There's a lot of mess in my life. There's a lot of mess in my emotional life at times, a lot of mess in my thought life. Maybe I do things that I regret. Things are a big deal. But has God ever come down on me? Has he ever judged me? Has he ever distanced himself from me? And the answer is no. And earlier on in my faith, I would respond as though he would do that. Like, okay, God, I just did this, and, and you're probably pretty ticked off. You're pretty, pretty offended, and you probably want nothing to do with me. Okay, and that's a part of my upbringing. It might be part of your upbringing. Okay, such a deep lie embedded in my heart of conditional love. Okay, but the reality is, no matter what I do, just like the, the father of the prodigal son, no matter how bad it gets, he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. His arms are always open. His heart is towards me. And when we fall, he's going to pick us up. He's not going to punish us. He's not going to be mean. He'll discipline us, but even that's in love. Right? So if any of us have a stronghold in our hearts, like, uh-oh, I made a big boo-boo, and God's got to be ticked. No. I believe the heart of God is this. I'm committed to you for eternity, and it's my very love, and you getting the revelation of my love that's going to break that stronghold. It's going to break that sin pattern in your life. Okay, The love of God is what bring trans is brings transformation. Legalism doesn't. You understand you try and do these good things and try to be Mr. and Mrs. Good Christian, and love is not backing that up. It's not a response to Father's love. We start to go into legalism. And it might look good on the outside, but on the inside, we are suffocating. Because even, even our obedience, I mean, we, we love him because he first loves us. He is the source of all life. He's a source of love. Okay? So that's something perhaps to process. What do you think? Just, just share this with me. What do you think about the idea of a servant God? When you think of Father God... The all-holy, almighty creator of heaven and earth, this servant, is that like the first word that pops up into your mind? No, it isn't, is it? But maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. For all eternity, it says this in Ephesians, that he's going to lavish his love upon us. He's going to lavish his love from age to age. Like the grace of God, the, the goodness of God, he didn't just save us so we didn't, wouldn't go to hell, but he, he saved us for this relationship and this incredible eternal blessing, this incredible joy and this incredible innocence. It's like Paul says, you know, whatever sufferings are going through, I've been through my share of suffering. I know some other people in this place have really been through deep suffering, uh, deep depression, maybe even suicidal thoughts and, and things like that. Paul went through a lot of suffering. Right? A lot of suffering. It says he despaired of life in, in 2 Corinthians. But he said that what is on the other side? That our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed at Christ's coming. Like There's a glory that is coming. There's a, a joy and a love that nobody can take from us that is our inheritance. And that was Paul's thrust to endure so much suffering and so much pain, he labored above them all. I mean, he makes those kind of references because he had an experience with God. He had a relationship with God. He's the author of 1 Corinthians 13, right? 
That's the love chapter, right? The greatest of these is love. That came from an experiential, experiential revelation, experience of God's, God's heart and his nature. Okay? I want to be able to, out of my own heart, out of my own relationship with God, write down 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? I want to come to that place of intimacy with God and be able to do that. And I believe that's going to happen. You know, I believe we're moving into a season where God is really going to release his heart to us and his affection to us. And, uh, you know, I'm honored to have, I mean, I'm honored to have Blake Olson too. I mean, that guy came, so thumbs up to Blake Olson. But I'm also honored to have David and Audrey come and they're spiritual parents to me. Okay, and God's been sh showing me a lot of, of who Father really is and even even the maternal heart of God, right? God reveals himself as a, as a he, but there are metaphors that talk about a mother's love and how he relates to us. So, you know, I've, I've seen the, the, the tender, gracious, compassionate um, nature of God through the Melanders, and I believe, David, you, do you have something you feel led to share now, or...? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to David, who who's really extremely gifted in the prophetic, and has a really deep relationship with the Lord. So we'll just see what what is shared. I just I just had one thought, which is um, it says in in Ephesians two that it says, "But God, being rich in mercy, and the love that He had, sent forth His Son." So whose idea? was sending Jesus. And why? Why did he send Jesus? Because, because he was rich in mercy. In other words, he had more than he could hold inside of himself. He was compelled by compassion that burned inside of him. He wanted people saved. He wanted people reconnected to his heart. It was genuine. It was burning inside of him. Nobody told him, if you're really good, God, you'd be like this. Okay, I'll be like that. It was burning inside of him because it was his nature. It was his nature to have this desperate love for people and to want them reconnected with him. And I just want to share one other verse, and that is uh, Jesus said, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom he reveals Father. And Jesus, by his very nature, wants to reveal Father to us because it is, it is the purpose <laughs> of his mission to not only save you, but to reveal you into that very, he wanted to share his complete riches with us. His connection to Father, he prayed that we would have that connection with Father because he desperately wants to share. You can think of an older brother who wants you to have the Father's favor. He keeps saying, Father, look at this one because he wants the Father's favor to come on each one. And Jesus has that in his heart. His heart is so full of desire that you enter into his own relationship to Father so I'd like us to pray, and you can pray, or I can pray, or anyone can pray, I guess, and ask Jesus to begin revealing Father. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure one thing you said. 
So my uncle, who was my closest family member, when especially when I was a kid, growing up in a very unsafe home, he would come week after week and play with me and um, you know, play catch and take me out to eat and show me love and affection and joy. Um, so, so he had a, a very precious place in my heart. He died on Thursday. And the past few days, I've been going with a, a couple other family members and just going, got to go through the house and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so what I found in that house was everything that I had ever given to him. Everything. He, I was a kid. I was maybe six or seven years old, and I, I made this for my uncle, okay? All the drawings, all the, the Valentine's cards, the Easter, the Christmas, everything, all the stupid little drawings that I made that were an expression of my love for him. He cherished it. He wanted it, okay? My brother's tooth, my brother's baby tooth from 87, and I, I could, I mean, everything, literally everything. Why, why did he do that? Can you just, anybody say why he did that? Why do you think? He loved me. And I, I would say he excessively loved me. And before he died, it was about two and a half weeks before he died. You know, there, there are depths of our hearts. And the Bible talks about, like, the kings of hearts are unsearchable. Like, if, if we really get connected with our hearts, there's such an overwhelming depth. Okay, I think a part of him knew he was dying. He didn't want to believe it. He had cancer. But this very tender, very vulnerable part just came to the surface. And he he's like, I love you, Bobby. Like he said it in this very tender but intense way. And it, the Bible talks about deep crying out to deep and just how like that's been ministering to me over the past weeks to think there is such a depth of love that my uncle had towards me. And I didn't understand the fullness of it until actually he died. Okay. What if that's how God is towards us? What if instead of focusing on our failures, every little thing, every little bit of affection that we show to him, he cherishes it, and he keeps it in his heart because he loves us that much. Now, David was a man after God's own heart. David is very emotional. He's very intimate. And he talks about his tears being captured in a bottle, preserved in a bottle by Father God. That's the heart of God for his children. Every emotion, every pain. He is so with us and he cherishes us so much that that what my, my uncle, how he responded to me and, and treasured these, thi these things, I think God is way more, way more than that for us. And he wants to reveal that heart to us and he wants to gain our trust. He wants to rebuild our trust well, if we do want to receive that, and I think it's a good idea <laughs> to receive that, I want you right now to do two things. Okay, we're going to ask Jesus to reveal, Father, that you need to make your heart completely vulnerable. You need to make the softest, the weakest, the most wounded parts just open to the presence of the Lord. You let the, the childest, the, 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 the quietest voice inside open to the presence of the Lord. Make yourself completely vulnerable in his presence. Just like when you received prayer or baptism of the Holy Spirit, you really didn't know how to receive it. You just received it. But 
I want you to just make yourself completely vulnerable to the presence of the Lord. We're going to pray for a baptism of Father's love. And I want you just to take the softest part, the most vulnerable, wounded part. Just begin gently to open it to the presence of the Lord. Jesus, we ask you right now to begin revealing Father's heart to us. And just more than that, we ask for a baptism, a tangible experience of an infilling of love that we can't contain. <laughs> fill, Lord, just fill us with that. Pour it into us and begin revealing Father to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just, I, I, I want you to receive this. It's so important to receive this. Jesus died for us to receive this. It was his passion, his burden, his mission that you receive it, that you be deeply, fully, completely embraced by the love of Father in every corner and of your heart. So be filled right now. Be filled right now. Be baptized, soaked, overcome. Be overcome by the love that Father has for you. Be filled, be poured over. Be overcome by the love that Father has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus and Holy Spirit just keep doing it, just keep doing it, keep doing it until we're deeply, deeply baptized with it, till we begin to overflow spontaneously with it everywhere we go. Fill us now, Lord. Fill us, Lord. And as, as we just wait on the Lord and receive, I'm going to play a song called He Loves Us. And just believe that God's still going to be ministering and imparting to our hearts and sing along or just meditate on the Lord, whatever you feel like doing. Oh. 
are his portion. He is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. And if grace is an ocean where all sinking, heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. My heart is piling the inside of my chest, and I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves He loves us. ago the Lord said that for many there would be a homecoming and some of us have never truly felt like we've been a part of a home or part of a family or truly had a place of belonging Jesus says in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you right he's, he's went there to prepare a place for his disciples so there's a perfect place of belonging for each one of us and God wants to bring us to that place in our hearts. Okay, so we're going to finish with this prayer. Father, we just ask that you'd give us that homecoming, Lord, where our hearts could feel perfectly safe, perfectly loved, perfectly accepted, perfectly welcome and understood, and that we could be free. We could be free to be the people you've made us to be. Let it come in Jesus' name.